Welcome to another episode of Michael Craver Presents Escaping Vanity. That is definitely where I'm going with this one today. I have alluded to many instances of doing a podcast on dating or other people. Uh, my experiences with the opposite sex. Um, sometimes with <laughs> with the same sex. Um, I have curious questions that sometimes I don't ask people. I'm very big on the word dignity and uh, accountability. So if you're, you're bringing things into the light, then they have to be explored. I think that's, you know, when you bring something to the table, it's yours to own, right? That's your topic. Uh, you brought the question to the whatever form it might be, a town hall, a city commission meeting, uh, whatever it might be, right? And um, there's friends of mine I get along with, and every now and then something comes up, and they're they're overly friendly for what I think a, a person would be. And I don't ask. Like, is your interest purely a male-to-male kind of platonic thing? or I don't, I don't ask. So it's, <laughs> it's a possibility, I guess. But... The the dating thing has been interesting for me. I've been, um, I guess you'd say officially single since uh, April of 2019, some, somewhere in that region, that nether region. And just the difference of backgrounds and the philosophy that people have with things, but I've called it, and I wrote this long piece, I called it, Reflections on Concrete, and then I later changed it to Lithification Logic. Lithification is a process that rock goes through to come up out of the volcano and <coughs> settle on the surface and be sedimentary and all that stuff. However, concrete is made with rock, and so it was a, it was a, it was a bullshit name is what it was, to be honest with you. Um, the idea of Reflections on Concrete was that people age they get so caught up in their ways that everything they disagree with becomes this label of oh i can't have your negative energy and those things are going to be you know red flags for me and whatever the f-. You know, you, you, that's not how conversations or any other type of relationship works i've often said that the process of being able to date somebody or you know find your candidate is much like developing an application. You, this is your company. You want them to work at. You want them to fill a position, uh, a role. You know, a boyfriend, a husband, whatever. You can say sexual position. Get your mind in the gutter if you want to. But the, the premise being that you know what you want out of the person. Like, do they drink, smoke? They've got a job, transportation. Maybe you are very involved in some other sector and you want to know if they're healthy, if they have um, their finances in order, they have something that's got a 401k, whatever it might be. And you develop those things and ask those questions. And so when this topic comes up, when this word, I don't know you, what do you want to know? Well, right. Why are you coming to the table if you don't know what you're asking for? You invited me to this job interview, but you don't know the, what in the hell the qualifications for the job are or what you want to know. It's just you make it up as you go along. And it's not productive for anybody, right? And I talk about this. I've got a long piece called The Evidence of Discovery on my website. And the, I talk about the five things that I ask if I was going to date somebody. There's five things that I ask. And they are really simple. Do you drink? Do you smoke? What is your transportation situation, your living situation, and your working situation. 
That's it. And go from there. Those are my simple, if you can answer, number one, if you answer these and be in your forthcoming, that's vulnerable enough, right? Maybe you don't work. Well, that covers people who are disabled or don't have a way to finance their half of the, whatever your ratio might be, right? But in my view, you're half of the relationship, right? And then you've got the transportation situation. Oh, I'm a mother and, right? But I don't have a car right now. So if your kid breaks his leg, you can't take him to the hospital or something worse, right? Hmm. What's your living situation? Well, I'm separated, but I live with my ex. And, oh, that sounds very healthy. That's great for a new relationship, right? The drinking and the smoking thing is all habitual. Like, I've never been around many people who've done those things. Uh, There's nobody in the family who does much of anything. And so uh, things like sleeping pills or otherwise um, smoke, carcinogens in general, are very potent to me as a person because I never had a, a great deal of exposure to those things. So if I take a sleeping pill, I'll be asleep for two days. And if I'm around people who smoke, obviously I get a headache. It's, it's unpleasant. It's a different sort of smell and experience for me than somebody who's tolerant uh, of those things. And not to say that I'm intolerant because you smoke. You can smoke all you want. Don't care. But my body is, is going to have some resistance. It's going to develop you know, these aches and pains and headaches and whatever the fuck. So... Those are the things that I ask, and when people come to the table for dating, I think it's an overwhelming amount of uh, responsibility on your part to come up with the basic things that you need to be able to say that you know somebody. No, Uncle Jim, he went down to the post office one day and just wiped out all of his co-workers. Did anybody really know him? Well, it's an abstract idea, and I talk a lot about this, right? It doesn't have an absolute value. So what's disrespectful to me may be respectful to you and vice versa. We all have these different... You know, I talked about this in um, one of the earlier episodes. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know you, so I can't give you my phone number. This is how the online dating thing often works, right? What do you want to know? And once you've answered those questions, there should be a number exchanged, right? Right. I mean, these are basic parameters that you're setting up to be able to have any kind of structure to your communication. You tell me what you need. All right, I meet those needs, and now we go to the next to the next step because I can trust you to set up these steps, set up the rules. I play by them, and then we have the results. Well, some people are strange like that. I, I give you a for instance. Somebody said to me, I've been trying to come up with a better word for that. It's not for example. I'll give you an experience I had. There's a good, here's an experience I had. I don't remember the woman's name, but she said, why don't you tell me something interesting? And I said, well, What's something you find interesting? Give me, give me something of substance, a subject matter, whatever else, that's of interest to you. And she acted like I was a dancing monkey or something. And she said, no, you just say whatever you say, and I'll tell you if I find it interesting. You've lived your whole life. You know what interests you. You know how to lead this conversation into a pleasant area where I understand what you find interesting, and then I'll talk on that subject. Or we can play this game where we turn off the lights and put on blindfolds and we wander around in the dark 
helpful if you've got an overfilled bladder, but I don't know why else you'd want to piss everybody's time away, right? So that was unpleasant because then I had to go down this long road of like, you know, you're responsible for asking a question of saying, you know, hey, I want to talk about things that interest me. And I go, all right, well, what interests you? I don't know. Why don't you try to figure it out? I'm like, are you trying to tell me that you don't know who you are or what you find interesting? No, I know. So you're deceptive and dishonest because a lack of clarity is dishonesty. And I went down that road with her. And it kind of blew her head and blew her mind, you know, whatever. And she came back around, told me how she loved... uh, Serial killer, yes. She liked serial killer documentaries and different things. And I said, cool. It all comes back to they were messed up as a child or or they were abused. Um, So I guess it's not that fun anymore once you find a new serial killer. It's just a matter of what sort of abuse they had when they were younger. And she, (laughs) well, I mean, I said, really, there's not serial killers like that anymore anyway. The, The way that those people were able to operate is when communications between agencies were very, like, uh, they were either non-existent, right, because a guy killed somebody in one county and then in another county they didn't know about it because they didn't have these nationwide, the NCIC, the National Criminal Information Center, right? They don't have the big internet-based way to go look up are there similar, you know, circumstances at different crime scenes is it this kind of person is he you know what kind of demographics all the things that start lining up the factors that they have in common and they start to be able to develop perhaps a criminal profile and so forth but i mean at the end of the day if i rob 15 different banks in 15 different places guess what they're going to charge me when they catch me with one bank in one place and not with 15 robberies because they don't know about the other ones that's how that works. Now that you have this level of communication and technology between everything, you just can't have serial killers like that anymore. People get caught too fast, and there's too much of a lack of, uh, not too much of, there is a lack of privacy. So that, you know, oh, this guy, he's da 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 Well, now they can tap into his phone and his GPS and, and do everything they need to do, and he's under surveillance, and he'll never be able to put together some big body count. That's why you see the mass shootings and things like that that happen more often, because if you're going to wipe out 10 or 15 or 30 people, you're going to have to do it all at once. You can't take your time, and it's too much nonsense. It's an old way of, of doing things. So, no, serial killers don't interest me. I've seen a lot of documentaries. I was in, you know, a field of law enforcement and stuff. It just doesn't appeal to me. It's like uh, telling me that, you know, you've got this wonderful recipe for cupcakes, and I go, oh, great. Well, all... Flour-based recipes go back to this and this and this and egg and milk. and But that's not that's not fair. Yeah, it's not that fucking creative. It's a cupcake. You know, it's a serial killer. It's a guy who was abused and then he went and he didn't know how to be an adult and he massacred some people on an individual basis most of the time, you know. It's great that Netflix glorifies it and tries to, you know, get some ratings out of it. But at the end of the day, it's a really awful thing and I don't know why anybody would want to try to understand those people or otherwise like your dad was a drunk and he was an asshole and they're not going to make a documentary about him well that's because yeah but he did a lifetime of damage these people you know you know what's what's the difference anyway the thing about trying to find this common ground that's why i go to the serial killer thing with her 
Those people all have common ground. They have common backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. And you try to get in, in, into the dating pool, and someone says to you, "What do you? What, tell me something interesting. What's interesting to girl A is not the same thing that's interesting to B, C, and D. Some of them just want to smoke and hang out, or they want to be able to have a drink or get away from their kids. or They're very, very menial, temporary fixes that they're looking for. You know, They don't have a long-term plan to improve their living situation or otherwise. Their, their solution to that is possibly to meet a partner who will be able to offset those circumstances with a second income or, you know, whatever you may do to add to the household. Maybe one more person, but, oh, you know, the refrigerator will be a little bit more full and the power bill won't be behind. and There's all that, you know. Some folks have come across and they've said, well, tell me about yourself, Michael. And I would say, you know, I have in my profile a link to my writing page to my website <coughs> otherwise right so there's all of this information that is out there that is not available for other people i don't feel like there's another guy who's got an autobiography that you can go pick up from barnes and nobles and he's got his name listed but if there were it would be very few and far between so you have an, an incomparable amount of information at your fingertips if you wanted to know different things about me and and to look at them unfiltered i'm not looking it's like an open library i'll never know who checked it out and, and you have all of those to your advantage people would sometimes come to me and say you know i've been watching you and i'm like oh shit <laughs> but they've been watching like a facebook video that i had or they've listened to uh, something maybe read something i wrote whatever it might be and that was interesting because <clears throat> now they, you know, you want to know what their take on it was. I do. I mean, my personal experience is I wanted to know what their take on it was. And obviously there was something that led you back here to talk to me about it or to at least have a conversation. I don't know about the other people who, you know, may look, maybe looked at it and they said, I don't like the way he writes. I don't like his voice. He's too ugly. He's, you know, he ain't going to hear from me. Well, I'll never know that I'm missing you. One of my favorite little quotes that I've developed over time, right, is people who, who can't imagine it don't know what they're missing anyway. They can't imagine it. And I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know who's out there. They don't. There's, there's not a section where people decline and rate the story like a one and then let me know about it. Maybe, maybe somebody will hear this podcast and change that, but currently there is not a section like that. I mean, the, the reason that I wrote the original piece, that lithification logic, is I talked to a diverse number of people, right? Or a, a diverse group of people, a number of people who, they were often just set in their ways. The first thing that you said that went sideways with them, they didn't agree with, it was, oh, I guess we're not compatible. Or they would, you know, they may not even give you that courtesy, and it may be a block, or they just disappear. They, um, if it's Facebook dating, then they click on uh, the um, option to delete or block the conversation. They're gone. Cut the thread's gone. If it's uh, one of these other places, then I suppose they disappear as well. So it's just so strange to me the way that stuff happens. And I'm not shy about having a back and forth with somebody. And just letting it all hang out. And, you know, what do, what do you got to lose? Well, you have your account to lose. Because at the end of the day, like, the people that you argue with on some of the, you know, if you were to have a dating app uh, profile on some of these applications, 
if a couple of people block you or whatever, and women are very terrible about this, you know, they don't want you to be able to have a voice. That's that cancel culture, scaredy cat, pussy bullshit that they do, and they fucking, you know, report whatever. Good or bad or indifferent. Because most of that's automated anyway. It's the number of reports. It's not the content of the report. And then there's, you know, well, you violated our terms of service. <laughs> oh, oh, this lady argued with me. He called me an asshole. I said something less or equal to that. And I got this result out of the situation, and she did not. Is that equality? No. That's manipulative. It's underhanded. It's, it's a coward move. But they need that, right? Because that's their form of entertainment. That's what most of the dating application stuff is for females and otherwise is it's a form of entertainment. They are out there trying to find if somebody's going to tickle their fancy and maybe they can flirt with them or exchange a few pictures, maybe get a few drinks, whatever. But at the end of the day, the overwhelming number of people that they speak to is for their entertainment. It's to know, you know, so they can have a social interaction from a distance, like Bette Midler, from a distance. And you can do that without recourse you can you know it's pretty harmless you're not risking anything it's just a game that's on your phone it just involves other people that you're manipulating it's ugly that's what you do it's deceptive and it's dishonest because they don't let you know that that's what they're doing they don't want that profile or that form of entertainment to end as much as they'll tell you they want to meet some great guy it's not as entertaining on a daily basis as this other thing is where it's unpredictable and you still have the lottery you're playing for who's next You know, I, I'll again, most people disappear within, I don't know, let's say a few messages. Uh, they never, they never message after you match. Uh, after 36 hours, most of the time, people are gone. It doesn't matter if they've exchanged to some, what would seem to be genuine messages or maybe even they've exchanged numbers with you. They still disappear. The likelihood of having a telephone conversation, a video call, or otherwise with people is very low. And what's so sad about that is that, like, with the, like, I, there was a woman named um, Chrissy, I believe is her name. I, she may never hear this, but she had matched up with me, again, last summer or something, maybe. And we were just having a different kind of conversation where I said, you know, she's a little older. And she said, well, you know, I don't know if you'd be interested in me and so forth and so on. And I said, well, I said, hey, but here's the thing. I'm interested in talking to anybody because you never know me talking to you may be the key that unlocks, you know, the way I need to talk to somebody else. Maybe there's something special about you. I don't know. And on the surface, this wouldn't work, but who, you know, so we had a conversation. And in that conversation, I said to her, I said, can I just speak freely? I like, I got some ideas and they may even help you out. And she said, sure, go for it. So I said to her, you know, the best thing that you could do, you women could do. So, you know, you don't want people to have all your personal information. I understand that. But if you will make a fake a second or you just vet people properly, you filter people through whatever you need to know, talking to them on an app like Facebook would be the best thing that you could do because you can then see everything on their timeline. You can see if they share pictures, have kids, if they're um, opinionated, they're crazy racist, whatever it might be. But you can exchange voice messages and real-time photographs and yeah, there's filters on them like Snapchat and stuff, but the Facebook option is it also gives you the chance to video with people. Have a video conversation with that guy at 9 or 10 o'clock at night 
and then try to figure out whether he's genuine, real, you know, whatever. And, you know, if he can't video, maybe there's something going on. He's living with his ex. He's got 15 kids. He's living at mom's. He's in the basement. He doesn't really have that car outside because he's homeless, whatever it might be. But it gives you a chance to explore things, right, with technology. I said to her, I said, use the technology to your advantage. And for God's sakes, women, ask open-ended questions. A, B, C, D, true, false, yes, no. All these are multiple choices. If it's two choices or four or eight, you know, whatever. What's your favorite direction? I don't know, northeast. You know, you got a 12.5% chance of getting it right, right? One out of eight. And I just I look at these questions and the, the scenarios that people bring up, and genuinely, a guy could walk through a minefield if he can see where the dirt's been, you know, shifted. Where's the newest graves at? Over there, where the dirt's still fresh, and it's, you know, what I'm saying. It's it, it's not like it's more difficult than those captcha things that come up on any website. And it says how many school buses are in this grid or whatever. And you know where the school buses are. He knows how to get through your little minefield. Ask him open-ended questions. You know, Chrissy, I'd love to have a night alone with you. <laughs> All right, well, tell me, Bob, what are you going to do with me? Well, uh, uh, I was just going to put a notch on my bedpost. Woo! And, fuck, you know, whatever. He's going to give you some bullshit, right? He's not going to give you the good stuff. He doesn't have the good stuff. Not for the most part. And if he does, what a surprise it would be to know that he can answer open-ended questions. Why is that important? Well, it's important because, and I spoke to, the, I believe her name is Kim. So I'm going to tell you a restaurant story. It was October of last fall, and my son had turned 13 uh, last week of September. Bought him a big 55-inch, like, Ultra 4K HD, 4D, UHD, whatever. All the features, right? Smart TV for his Xbox. Got a good one for him. Good price. And I'd shipped it to the store, so it wasn't there yet. I remember it was the first week of October because his birthday is the last week of September. Wanted to make sure nobody else got it for him. And then I get the glory. Like, I get to give him a present on a separate day later. But I told him happy birthday on the day, right? So anyway, um, I took my lunch break because I was working lunches to um, wrap up and go get his TV, deliver it to him and his brother and his mother, loaded in the car, had a visit with them, went back, worked that night, and then wrote that night. Came in on Sunday, and two of my guests were this young man who was turning 63, and his wife brought him out. And they told me how we had the best steakhouse in all of the city, and we looked at two, but we, I really wanted to give him an experience. And so they told me all about what they do, and he's a fire investigator for uh, Wilkes County in North Carolina, and she'd been his wife for, I think, 37 years. And so it was, it was interesting. And at some point, they turned it on me. They said, well, tell, what, what did you do this weekend? I told them about Colt, how I got him a TV. And I said, I went home after work last night and just, you know, I wrote in, a, in the quiet kitchen and I lived a single life. And she said, wait a minute, you're single? Almost like she was going to, you know, fix me up with somebody or something. And I said, yeah, I'm single. I said, it's, I said, I think it's the mathematics. I said, I don't think anybody's got what I'm looking for. I said, I'll tell you what I'm looking for if you want to hear it. She said, well, yeah. I said, right here. Held up three fingers. I said, three things. I'm looking for aptitude, values, and energy. And there's people who have that energy, got great energy. 
But they don't have any values, right? They're just reckless. They're just adventurous. They're going to crash and burn. And so the aptitude thing is when you can think on your feet, you ask open-ended questions. You know the person who is your future partner. You can trust them because they're going to come up with a good plan for Valentine's Day or the beach. Or I'm not going to be home. What are we going to do for dinner for me or for the kids? Or Do I have to worry if the house is going to be a wreck? Hey, I'm going to be in the hospital, and he's going to make my medical decisions as my proxy. Can I trust him to, you know, is he's, he's the guy that could pull the plug if I'm in a coma, right? You know, these are the kind of things that you need to be thinking about as you're going through the relationship process. So I said, that's aptitude. And the values thing, I think her name was Kim, but I said, the values thing, Miss Kim, is, is very simple. I'm in this restaurant with my future or my current, you know, girl or whatever, you know, wife, whatever it might be. And if I get up and go over there to the <coughs> to the restroom, whatever she does, if she smacks the waiter, says something wonderful, does something awful, I have to live with her representing me. It's just like any time you vote for somebody and they represent you down at the city council or whatever. The person you are in a relationship with is the definition of how tolerant or whatever you're willing to, to be. And if she says something awful and you support that and you continue that relationship, you are tolerant of something awful. So I said, you know, that's, that's the example I used to give. If I'm with you at my family reunion or whatever it might be, can I walk away and think that you're not going to ruin my relationship with anybody else in my family or anybody I don't know yet? So uh, I said, and the energy is great, but I said, what you look for is like the Jacob's Ladder where there's the lightning bolts going back and forth between the towers. You'd really like to be able to look across the room and feel sparks for that person. I said, but nobody's got all three. It's like this impossible combination because people who are very intelligent and have great values don't have any energy left. And if you got that much energy, usually you ain't all that smart. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? She's, she got to laughing. He was laughing. I was laughing. But I thought I'm making a fool of myself because apparently these things don't exist, but that's the scale I'm going by. And I look at those things, and that to me, and I wrote this long piece called The Evidence of Discovery, I talked about it, where I describe those things and how you can negotiate, but you know, whatever you do is up to you. That's just how I look at it. You know, People will write you all kinds of things and say, well, that's not what I meant. You know what I meant to say. There ain't no autocorrect for the mistakes you make in your relationship. And there's certainly not an autopilot or an auto-relationship function, or otherwise you wouldn't be single. Right, the mistakes that you make, especially the things where you don't get to know somebody and you don't figure out how they're going to make decisions or what's healthy for you in the beginning, and you just go along with it, and then something unhealthy happens. Well, now you can't continue that relationship. So you got to figure out what behaviors lead to what results. That's why that serial killer analogy that I brought up earlier is so relevant. People that have been abused when they're younger are very hard to change when they're adults, and they're very hard to get on track. They're very, um, I guess you would say they, they hold back. They're apprehensive. They're very shy. They don't want to take any chances. And when you get into, you know, new blood and new love and all that stuff, you do not want to be in a situation where somebody will not take chances because sometimes you want to be vulnerable and you want to see just how deep that water is. It's difficult. So, you know, I had a conversation with somebody where I can remember they said, um, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe gives you like a little bit of hope. It's halfway to yes, and it's you know whatever. 
It's not all bad. And I said, is it really? I said, well, a yes is all the way there. So when you're looking for a yes, maybe it's only 50%. Do you really want to just phone it in? Do you really just want to give people 50%? And it became this, well, uh, you don't have to make me feel awful. Cause I said, well, ain't nobody holding you back. Maybe it's, you know, got have got two-thirds of the letters. It's five letters overall. It's two syllables. Yes is one. And what do you got to lose? And I think that's what a lot of people don't look at. And what do you got to lose? However, I'll give you a good little situation for you to look at from the outside and tell me what you know you think about this situation. Here's this person who went to school. They got the power turned on. The kids are doing okay and everything's good. Now, they can take a chance and have a relationship with somebody. Their home is clean. Like I said, it's structured. The bills are paid. You don't worry about the kids. They're doing all right alone other than maybe some loneliness or they'd like to have something to, to sort of complete that, you know, two-parent household they'd love to have as a shining example to the to the children they're raising. They'd like to show the children that a relationship could work, but maybe they selfishly want an, an intimate partner and somebody else to fall back on. Well, if the house is that good and it's like a B plus or an A minus without the other person, you're risking a lot to take on a partner. Like any business. Your business is doing pretty well, but maybe you could use that little extra boost. But you're giving up 50%. Remember that. If you're already at 89 or 92%, right? You got that A minus, you got that B plus. You're giving up 50% to gain the last maybe 8 or 10 or 12%. Hmm. Now that seems like a real negotiation, doesn't it? You're going to give up 50 to get back 12. So you lose. I'm giving away a good portion of things. Well, in a way, you're giving away a good portion of things. In another way, you're gaining security and everything else. Now, if it goes south, you may ultimately be giving up 50%, not 38%. <laughs> so <coughs> it's just one of those things that, you know, it's that human heart speaking in place of mathematics where, you know, if you knew that things were that good, you'd never take on a partner. You'd ride this one out, brother. You'd you know, you might date somebody, this, that, and the other. You might stay single. You would never, you know, prenups or whatever might come into play here. But if he's doing really well, well, what, what, could it, what doors could it really open, right? Are you going to stop working so hard and you're going to spend the extra time on vacations and take it easy? and Maybe. But those are to be determined. So you need to come up with the criteria to find the guy who opens those extra doors. Rather than just taking 12% and putting it back from the 50 he's going to get. Think about that. you got to think about what questions you're going to ask to get the results that you're looking for. I talked about this in the Support the Opposition. About balancing your work and life and if you want to make more money just go straight to the boss and tell him hey i'd like to make more money what's necessary or i want to make these dollars is that realistic and what would it take do it there's nothing holding you back from asking questions and especially if you come to people with a good heart and a good head 
Um, and you know what they think those things are, right? You, if, with your communication skills, you can figure out what you think is reasonable and figure out what the other person believes is reasonable. And you'll know whether you're going to rock the boat when you ask, uh, ask or um, look for different answers. Guess what? You set the timing and everything up right. I mean, you do it in a, in a, in a very structured way. They can't look at you and say that you're unrealistic. They can tell you it's not going to happen. They could tell you it's not possible. But I don't see how you can go backwards from there. If you're already having the thoughts, at least find an answer out. If you see somebody and you want to ask them out or whatever it might be, you know, maybe you should have a conversation. Now, maybe they're going to, you know, you can't handle rejection and that kind of So that does come up. There is that side of things. And then, you know, I guess you'll just not know. And what you can't imagine, you won't be missing. But from my experience trying to talk to a diverse group of people, um, just from having a dating profile, it's like a social experiment for me. And I think a lot of people look at me and they go, well, he's got blue eyes. He looks like this with his shirt off. And, you know, he's got a good voice or, you know, he writes these things or he whatever, whatever. And I say, yes, I bring all of those things to the table. But part of me being able to develop the, the material and have the experiences is talking to people. It doesn't have to be that I'm talking to somebody out of their comfort zone or into bed or something. That's, those are wild flights of fancy that other people think about things. I strive to understand why people make choices that they make. If it's because they're going back to school, if it's because this and that happens with their kids, why do you feel that way about COVID? Whatever it might be. And... Those things interest me, and I hope they interest other people. That's why I share the podcast or the writing or whatever. Because the things that interest me, I hope, will maybe lead someone else to find their own answers. I don't have your answers. You may say that. But I'm only asking questions that maybe you haven't thought of or putting things into a perspective. I hope you follow. And then, uh, hey, that really put the puzzle together for me. And now I've got a good picture. Well, that's all I can hope for. I'm not asking you to send me dollars and Venmo and Cash App and Patreon and whatever. This is a this is a free service I provide, buddy. And uh, I get a chance to have, I always drink like a one-shot glass of uh, this Evan Williams burby, bourbon uh, <clears throat> honey that I've got sitting under the desk. It's got a little, I've never drank much my whole life, so I tried some. I said, honey, that's supposed to be good for your voice. And because I work at a place with a nice bar, I thought, that's my excuse. It doesn't give me a high or a buzz or anything else. It just, I guess it's got a little flair, a little heat to the to the taste whenever I take a sip every now and then. It gives me a chance to have a podcast and enjoy a little liquid delicacy, and then I'm done. You know, I upload it, and then, you know, I talk about things in these different episodes and say, you know, there's an episode on such and such. Well, if it's in the title of the episode, I might remember it. If it's specifically one about working or something, I might remember that. But otherwise, gotta go. Back. I would have to go back and listen. You would have to go back and listen. I would tell you what I tell those ladies who have dating profiles. Do your homework. There is no substitute for taking the chance to spend extra time and, and have... A conversation with somebody. And the last thing, and I'll probably talk about this for a few minutes here before I wrap this up, is 
my number one thing I put in, in any profile or I tell people to do when they're approaching any decision. doesn't have to be romantic. It can be anything, work-related or otherwise. You treat it like you're doing health care. Or you're in the business of health care because it is mental and physical health care. When you're trying to see results while you're working out, maybe you've been going to the park every day in the morning at five o'clock in the morning and running with the strangers or doing your you know weight training or whatever else you might be on. You have to play the waiting game. You have to have patience. Like any waiting room, you got to have patience. You're talking to somebody. You want to get to know them. Hey, I don't like the way I don't like the way he said that. Be patient. Maybe you don't understand what he said. Maybe in your head he said, "I I couldn't." He said, "A B C D." Okay, and those things mean these things. Do they? Did he say three times three is seven? Or did he say, you know, I really love when three times three turns out to be an even number. And you go, what's wrong with you, boy? Three times three is nine. But could it turn out to be an even number? Sure, if you multiply it by four. Hey, hey, wait a minute. That's right. Three times three times four is an even number. So three times three can turn out to be an even number because you have now limited or handicapped the possibilities for the rest of what he said. He left it open with positivity, with an open mind, with imagination. And in his imagination, it can turn out to be an even number. In yours, well, remember, you don't know what you're missing. You can't imagine it being an even number. That's crazy. But what you said makes sense. Yeah, that's right. That's why patience is important. Just sit back. Roll your thumbs, listen to something, play some Candy Crush, talk to your girlfriend, play with the kids, make a meal, whatever you do. It doesn't have, the conversation doesn't have to end now. You don't have to tell him off or curse him or block him right now today. Just leave the message unresponded to or say to him, you know, hold on, I'm going to think about some things. Clearly communicate with people and have patience. Maybe you don't agree. He says something. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. He must support Trump. Well, if you think those things about me, as I said in one of my pieces, I believe it's in the awareness piece, the, <laughs> I said I, I say things in the beginning that are framed up like that three times three turning out to be an even number. That, 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 that's not right. I say them in a way that if you have a limited scope or you're trying to jump to conclusions, you're going to come up short and break angles and you're going to sit there and be foolish you're going to be a fool, like they say in the Bible. Don't call people a fool. My mom always jumps on me. Don't call people a fool. Is that what the Council of Nicaea said? No. You know, the people who voted on what stories to put into the so-called Bible, you know, twice. That's why the New Testament and the Old Testament are 200 years apart. Um, I I just, I set things up in a way to let me know whether you're you can imagine the different possibilities. And it's like asking those silly questions. The, the sun 
And his dad are in an accident. And this uh, dad has been crippled and maimed. And the son has broke his leg. And he's got to have emergency surgery. And they rush him to the hospital. <clears throat> Doctor says, I can't operate on him. He's my son. How is that possible? Well, because the doctor's his mother, asshole. Like, like <laughs> I, I never would have thought that. Oh, you don't believe women can be doctors? You know, it's one now you get to paint people into a corner and have some fun with them because their imagination is not what it could be. Um, it's so strange. Like that woman said to me, she said, you know, maybe it's like half a yes. I said, oh, it's like half a yes. And then later it occurred to me that it's just like that Red Fox joke that I told. It's I love Red Fox. You know, my son Jonathan's named after old Red, John Elroy Sanford. Uh, is Red Fox's name from Sanford and Son. And if you want to know what I really think of Red Fox or what what I my favorite Red Fox story is not told by him, Pat Morita, the guy who plays Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid. He's he's uh Achu in uh, Sanford and Son. He's he's in a bunch of stuff, right? Pat Morita tells about his mentor Red Fox. You put that into YouTube, Red Fox R E D D F O X X and P-A-T-M-O-R-I-T-A, and Pat Morita. And uh, it's the best story ever, ever. So Red Fox tells this joke, maybe is maybe is half a yes, and, you know, and I said, oh, it clicks now. This is where Red Fox tells the story. Go to your friend, borrow $10, but only take five. That way I you owe him five, and he owes you five, and you're even. <laughs> no, he's not. He gave you $5. Well, that's why maybe he's not a half a yes, because it's it's not half a yes. It's half a no. It's even. <laughs> yes is all the way. I love people. These are why I'm able to tell these stories, because I have the amount of conversations that I have. Anybody I've ever dated or anything else that thinks like, oh, you have all these people who talk to you or... You're popular or whatever. Yes, I exchange an inordinate amount of messages on a daily basis. However, most of it's just a, it's just complete nonsense. It's how are you doing? It's debating you know whether Trump's going underground or if such and such is going on with Wayfair or what about furniture or what about wrestling sports? How's the restaurant going? It's, it's being a person. You're really just relaying information and keeping people in the loop, more or less. I, I seem like I'm interesting, or I don't know if I seem like I have structure or whatever the interest is, but it's almost like I'm something that they can be counted on, or I'm going to give an honest opinion. Like one of my favorite things, anybody, Jesse, a friend of mine from high school, um, and she said to me, you know, one of the thing, one of the best things about you is that you just like. You're always going to be you. You know, people will block you. People will get mad at you. Like, you just say what you say, and then people, you're, you're yourself. Like, you're willing to live with the consequences of, and I say, yeah, that's the problem with most of my anxiety or depression or anything else. You say what you think is open or what is, is right for a situation, and you hope other people can. You know often people can't deal with it. They're going to block you or disappear or whatever. However, it needs to be said. Like that that's somebody's gotta drive down that street and figure out whether it's a dead end. And I'm the one who's gonna take the wheel. So yeah, I've got a lot of rough 
uh, cuts in, in the vault. I've got a lot of ugly miles that I've got on my car where you drove one direction and you turn around and drive right back. Never really made it anywhere. Well, we know what the end of that road is now, you know, right? It used to be written on top of my keyboard. I've told this story many, many times that only those who risk going too far can possibly know how far one can go. So, I mean, that's true with me telling humor or anything else. It's especially true with the dating thing because you have people who sometimes want you to push their buttons. And I'll talk about some of the more deviant stuff or whatever um, in a future episode. But <clears throat> to me, it was important to get some of this stuff out there about structure. To be able to talk about, you know, ask questions. But don't ask multiple choice questions exclusively. Try to be open-ended with the way that you approach people so that they're going to be able to give you something you can work with. And ask more open-ended questions. What places would you like to get? Play 20 questions with somebody. It's one of the best things you can do when you have a, <clears throat> somebody new, you want to make a friend, have a date, whatever it is. Fucking, you know, what what beach would you go to? Uh-huh. Oh, that one's a little crowded for me. We'll tell them that or whatever. Speak back, you know. Have a fired-up discussion. You get mad, they get mad. It's only then that you can find out how somebody really reacts, whether they're going to be abusive or use curse words or attack you personally or whatever. That's where that patience stuff comes in. If you're patient about it, it doesn't really matter what they said. I'm not telling you to be patient through the cycle of abuse and sit there and, and take things that are going to be unhealthy to you. No. But cutting things off early and not taking the time to explore what might be otherwise great possibilities... Just because you had an, you know, this flight of fancy, right? The fight or flight. Oh, this is what he said, and I just couldn't talk to him anymore. Did you ever think of the possibility, Susan, that he's, you know, ain't what he meant? You could have asked for clarification. You know, like an open-ended question. I, well, then, I mean, that's that's where you put a dead end sign on the end of that road. You know, you stopped the progress. Not, I don't know that he stopped the progress. He was still talking. You're the one who quit. That's one of those things where I said this in the last episode. You know, I, I don't, I don't have to live with your mistakes. <laughs> in fact, we do. Like when the president or anybody else in in power, <clears throat> your elected representative, this person who represents you by proxy, this person who represents your values, my aptitude, values, and energy. Yes, then I have to live with their mistakes. Because I supported them. And that's why the other podcasts that I do are called to support the opposition. Anyway, thank you for listening to me. It's a very peaceful Saturday. It's hot and moist in here. That's the right words to use for this podcast, right? It's hot and, uh, and a little sweaty in here because I have rolled the windows up to have this beautiful Saturday evening air. And I am going to go out for a jog. I hope you guys are doing very, very well. Um, and take care of yourselves. And if you have any questions about any of this stuff, I ain't hard to find through my Facebook page uh, or I believe my uh, contact information is, is there within. So it's not like you're doing it publicly. So take care of yourselves, and I'll speak to you soon.